Here's your Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. All right, my name is Blake. I'm 21. I'm from Danville, Kentucky. And what brought me to the refuge is I had a heroin addiction. I was using heroin for about a year. And um, I finally just decided that I couldn't do it on my own anymore. And I've tried a lot of things. And the only thing that's helped me was turning to God. My cousin did some voluntary work for the women refuge in my hometown back in Kentucky. And she heard about the men from refuge. So I decided that I needed that it would be my best interest to come here. And I've learned so much down in Benton County. And to just stay focused and keep your relationship with God strong. And you'll be just fine. Yeah, yeah the brotherhood down there is the main thing that... You need to focus on your relationship with your brothers is very important, and it'll help you with a lot. They pick you up, and if you notice someone lagging, just try to talk to them, pull them aside, and it'll help you out tremendously. And now it's time for our reading in the New Testament, and our scripture today comes from the book of Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. Here's a brief overview. To persist in prayer and not give up does not mean endless repetition or painfully long prayer sessions. Constant prayer means keeping our requests continually before God as we live for Him day by day, believing He will answer. When we live by faith, we are not to give up. God may delay answering, but His delays always have good reasons. As we persist in prayer, we grow in character, faith, and hope. Widows and orphans were among the most vulnerable of all God's people, and both Old Testament prophets and New Testament apostles insisted that these needy people be properly cared for. If godless judges respond to constant pressure, as we'll read about here in Scripture today, how much more will a great and loving God respond to us? If we know He loves us, we can believe He will hear our cries for help. Now, the people who lived near Jerusalem often would go to the temple to pray, The temple was the center of their worship, and we'll read about that today. The Pharisee did not go to the temple to pray to God, but to announce to all with an earshot how good he was. The tax collector went recognizing his sin and begging for mercy. Self-righteousness is dangerous. It leads to pride, causes a person to despise others, and prevents him or her from learning anything from God. The tax collector's prayer should be our prayer because we all need God's mercy every day. Hey, don't let pride in your achievements cut you off from God. Now, it was customary for a mother to bring her children to a rabbi for a blessing, and that is why these mothers gathered around Jesus. The disciples, however, thought the children were unworthy of the Master's time, you know, less important than whatever else He was doing. But Jesus welcomed them because little children have the kind of faith and trust needed to enter God's kingdom. It's important that we introduce our children to Jesus. And now let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. April 16th, the New Testament, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 17. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. 
But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. One day some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Psalm 85, verses 1-13 through 13. As we read in the Psalms today, we'll see that the writer was asking God to revive His people, bringing them back to spiritual life. You know, God is capable of reviving both churches and individuals. He can pour out His love on us, renewing our love for Him. If you need revival in your church, family, or personal spiritual life, well, ask God to give you a fresh touch of His love. As the psalmist cries out for God's intervention, he can almost see, taste, and hear God's response. These five verses that we'll read, uh, chapter 85, verses 9 through 13, describe what God can do for those who welcome His herald, righteousness. And this psalm illustrates that the greater the presence of righteousness, that is, obedience to God, the clearer the examples of God's blessings. And this principle works equally in the life of a nation or an individual. The more we first seek God's righteousness and His kingdom, as Jesus pointed out, the more we will see everything else taken care of by God. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah. Lord, you poured out blessings on your land. You restored the fortunes of Israel. You forgave the guilt of your people. Yes, you covered all their sins. Interlude. You held back your fury. You kept back your blazing anger. Now restore us again, O God of our salvation. Put aside your anger against us once more. Will you be angry with us always? Will you prolong your wrath to all generations? Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. 
I listen carefully to what God the Lord is saying, for He speaks peace to His faithful people. But let them not return to their foolish ways. Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him. So our land will be filled with His glory. Unfailing love and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Truth springs up from the earth, and righteousness smiles down from heaven. Yes, the Lord pours down His blessings. Our land will yield its bountiful harvest. Righteousness goes as a herald before Him, preparing the way for His steps. Proverbs chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. Some who are poor pretend to be rich. Others who are rich pretend to be poor. The rich can pay a ransom for their lives, but the poor won't even get threatened.
today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading begins in verse 5 of Matthew, chapter 8. And when Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my slave, Do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it shall be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. What do you consider your most prized possession? A house, car, boat, or cash would likely be high on most folks' lists. But even treasures and luxuries won't bring lasting satisfaction. Why else do so many men and women keep trading up and adding to their collection? Sadly, in the race to have better and more, a lot of people overlook the most valuable asset of all, faith in Christ. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And this corresponds to trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Faith isn't something we can work to obtain. Rather, it's a gift from the Lord. Consider the power that God makes available. In Matthew 17 verse 20, Jesus said that faith as small as a mustard seed, which his audience would have known to be tiny, enables us to achieve the miraculous. The book of Acts shows that the apostles' belief led to numerous healings. And Matthew's gospel tells us that through a Canaanite woman's faith, her daughter was freed from demonic possession. Above all, trust in Christ is the only way to salvation. The Bible states that there is nothing we can do to achieve eternal security in God's kingdom. We are saved only by His grace through faith. The only way to obtain life's greatest treasure is by first receiving life's greatest gift, faith in Christ. Romans 10 verse 9 says to confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. Salvation and abundant life are found nowhere else. This is the story of the Son of God Hanging on a cross for me But it ends with a bride and groom And a wedding by a glassy sea Oh, death, where is your sting? Cause I'll be there singing
somewhere. <laughs> I'm trying to get somewhere that's real and pure and true and eternal. Toby, can you go with your boy? Let's go. Father God, I am clay in your hands. Help me to stay that way through all life's demands. Cause they chip and they nag and they pull at me. And every little thing I make up my mind to be. Like I'ma be a daddy who's in the mix. And I'ma be a husband who stays legit. And I pray that I'm an artist who rises above. The road that is wide and filled with self-love. Everything that I see draws me. 
Though it's only in you that I can truly see That it's a feast full of eyes, a low blow to purpose And I'm a little kid at a three-ring circus I don't wanna gain the Say they think that it's you, but they don't know that who you are is not what you do. True, we get it twisted when we peek at the charts. Yo, before we part from the start, where's your heart? Hustler, tell me what's your title? America has no more stars, now we call them idols. You said idol, while we teach prosperity, the first thing to prosper should be inside me. Not because of 22 is on the range, but Christ came in range. We said yes, now we change. Not the same, even though I met a fall. Since I got that call, no more saw, now I'm all. Yep. Business Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, I just love this next principle because we've seen it bear such incredible fruit. It's the self-government principle of forgiveness, and it's based on Proverbs 16, verse 6. Iniquity is atoned for by mercy and truth. Evil is avoided by reverence for God. We find forgiveness 
helps us as much as anybody else. Uh, really, really, that's uh, forgiveness is probably the best medicine you can take for your health. Hmm. I mean, that's, a, that's an absolute truth. And a lot of people think it's uh, weakness, you know, weakness yes. that if you acknowledge uh, that you need to be forgiven or something like that. But that is absolutely an established law of God that we all need. And we need to understand what that is. This is so important. To atone means to pay for the iniquity, the evil, or the wrong we have done. The payment or atonement makes restitution and restores us to our former state. The end result is forgiveness. The principle of forgiveness is probably one of the most rewarding principles we can experience in life because it has a major effect on our health and well-being as a person. It will also affect our business dealings as well as our relationships with others in general. So it's not just for church that we think forgiveness. No, 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 no. In fact, a lot of these principles are not just for church, they're for life and more for the outside of the church than it is for the inside of the church. Mm-hmm. Because people in church are supposed to be loving kind anyhow. Uh, but but these are life principles and uh, forgiveness is something that that is just needed because... Uh, if we don't, we carry what you call a lot of burdens around. We we need to, for somehow somehow we need to be able to ask people to forgive us, and 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 we need to have an attitude of forgiveness before people ask us. See, if you want to be healthy uh, and uh, your fun- body functions right, you'll never let something bother you uh, about something because you'll deal with it. But you should you should be able to let people go. And forgive them because almost like Jesus did, for they know not what they do. But but sometimes we have for our own selves. I gotta ask and come to you for forgive me, saying like, and and so it's two ways. It's not just for mm-hmm. myself; it's mm-hmm. for somebody else too. In order to experience forgiveness, we need to understand why we should accept and receive forgiveness from God. We must first recognize that God is holy and just, and wants us to practice righteousness with each other. This righteousness is derived from his laws. He made the true rules of life and living. These rules are called truth. They cannot be broken without penalties. They are like the law of gravity. We cannot change its rules, but must also learn to live by them. Likewise, God's law is just, and punishment must follow its violation. Otherwise, God's word could not be trusted. God said uh, that if you, uh, if you do this, uh, you die. Okay, and if he's just, then he's got to live up to that. Mm-hmm. So, so, so he has to kill you. Saying like, if if God would say that, if he says, if you do this, you'll be punished, then he has to have a system of punishment, because if he doesn't, then he's not just. So now here's where grace and forgiveness comes in. It it means that God is just, so he also has to have some type of a system to say how to not exercise. So so. For not to exercise his penalty then, you have to humble yourself and you have to ask forgiveness. And then you get mercy from what, which means that God stays mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. but he now, he now responds. So it's a system that God built. And our courts are that way too. Mm-hmm. Saying like, if you, if you defend yourself and you're proven guilty, and even if you defend yourself, uh, you're going to get locked up or you're going to get the penalty. But if you, if you, the best times sometimes when you can do when you're guilty is to go and say, like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, at a spur of a moment I did something mm-hmm. or did something wrong. And Fall on the mercy of the court. And, and ask for the mercy of the court. Mm-hmm. Then you'll get mercy. So, uh, so it, it's a rule. It's, it's a rule of life. And I like the way our early American fathers mm-hmm. put this law system together. It's, it was a good system. Now, here's a real key. 
Unlike gravity, where punishment follows immediately after violation, mercy and forgiveness are available for us while we are in the process of learning the spiritual rules of life, and it gives us second chances. Oh, that's what it is. It's like you, you, you do things, and because you're growing up and you're learning, and so God has a system that allows you to break laws, break the rules of life, and a forgiveness system as you practice the practice. While, tra- while you're in the learning process, there is forgiveness, just like a father with their, or mother with their child. You know, when when they eventually they'll punish the child if they don't straighten up, but they'll they'll give them grace because you know they know that they need it. So it's a system that God built, and it, it's mm-hmm. beautiful when mm-hmm. you understand it and function in it, it, it. It it's the best thing that you could imagine. God knew that we would fall short of His law of righteousness, so He provided a law of atonement. He calls this forgiveness. If we don't understand or receive forgiveness, then we are under the penalty and judgment of God's system of justice. Jesus did not come to destroy or take away the law, but to teach us principles of love and mercy tempered with justice. So you have the action, then you have judgment or justice, but then love and mercy. That's right. It it, it grows. It's just like uh, I was born and raised on the farm and and so it's just like uh, training a horse or training training an animal. It's like you reward it when it does good. You make rules for it, and uh, and they don't know what the rules are, and they don't know what the benefits are. So it it's like you punish them a little bit if they violate it, but then you feed them something, give them an apple when they do good, and then all of a sudden this horse learns, hey, I know what John wants. I I know what makes, and so so it's grace and law. Punishment and blessing, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Un- until the horse learns. Then the ho- horse starts obeying him because he sees the value of it. God offers forgiveness for those who receive Jesus. Law without mercy makes life hard and tough. It brings on constant guilt and anger that destroys our health and relationships. Without experiencing forgiveness, we develop a bad attitude about people and life in general, putting ourselves in a negative, defensive mode towards life. That is really true, and boy, I've seen people like that. That they they, they want to hold people accountable, mm-hmm. and uh, which is okay. But but then then they have no mercy. I mean, they have no mercy. They say, "I want you to bend on your knees in front of me and beg me for mercy." I mean, that, that's you hurt yourself for doing that. You gotta you gotta understand something different than that. But it's 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 a rule, and life becomes very tough if you don't understand forgiveness. It becomes very tough. In fact. I think Christianity is the only one that has what you call a health program mm-hmm. that develops health in a person mm-hmm. because of forgiveness. Rather than guilt. That's right, rather than guilt, because it's a way of handling guilt. Others have to live live to the point where mm-hmm. I'm not measuring up, and then they have to drive themselves, and so they, so they never can let go of that. Now, sometimes I think that uh, sometimes Christians sometimes are too much in that line, and they don't respect law. They just say, well, everything's forgiveness, and then they never develop. But it's a balance. It's it's a right design. There's two attitudes that we should be aware of. The first is this, the strict law attitude. This creates rebellion in our children, workers, or society. People feel they can never be good enough, so why even try? That's right. The Bible says that uh, the law workers wrath. And uh, and when you live and teach kids under law all the time, just strict, strict, strict rules, and then... Uh, all all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. And, and so you have to have an attitude that's a little different then. The other extreme is this, the attitude of looseness. This leaves people with no goals or parameters to live by, and it creates irresponsible attitudes with our kids, 
workers, and a society who then feel they can get away with anything. That's right. So, so, so it's a balance between the two. You can be too strict, but then you also can be so loose. And I, I think our country for a while was too loose on a lot of those issues. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so now we're trying to straighten up because advantage, people take advantage of that eventually. So it, it, it's a self-cleansing system, and it builds itself. We must remember that God made the rules. He cannot change the law of justice because his righteousness is always right. However, he has made another law that brings relief to the pain and also to the agony of life. If we receive and understand the principle of forgiveness, we will receive atonement or payment. So there's always something that has to be paid, but forgiveness becomes the currency. That's right. That's right. Atonement means that it restores you. It gives you another chance. Saying, come on, let's start up and go over again. But it's dealt with because God has to deal with the law because he made the law. So he has to also have a justice in there so that a person gets a chance. Atonement is simply forgiveness for our failures so we can get up and start again. Then we can prosper and be glad as we walk as children of light. Jesus is more than the way. He's also the truth and the life. He is just, but also has offered us mercy and forgiveness while we're in the process of learning to live under the rules of his kingdom. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, like I look at our uh, structure originally and uh, and I see that our forefathers really understood something that I'm just discovering, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but uh, but they really had some insight in the, in the way that they structured the country based upon God's law and principles of justice and then the courts to make fairness and, and justice. The principle of forgiveness, Proverbs 16, verse 6. Iniquity is atoned for by mercy and truth. Evil is avoided by reverence for God. That's right, forgiveness. Man, it's a powerful, powerful statement. And uh, it's probably one of the greatest and most important uh, principle in life. I can really say I'm understanding it. I believe it is probably the most important principle in life is to understand forgiveness. Not just forgiveness from God, but we're talking about forgiving your, being able to forgive yourself. Uh, and if you, if you learn to, uh, a way of forgiving yourself, it takes the pressure off of life, you know, and it, you know, it makes you feel better about yourself. And also finding a way of forgiving others. That's critical because if you don't can't forgive others you carry a grudge or something like that that's destructive these are destructive forces if you don't conquer them and then also being able to receive forgiveness from god you have to understand his system he has a wonderful system of forgiveness it's called justice and i don't think that any religion in the world has a system like christianity does but i do believe this that i believe it's really misunderstood even amongst christians and it should be discovered um the system really holds us accountable, but at the same time gives us forgiveness so we can keep on and have another chance. Uh, without uh, experiencing forgiveness, we will really want to get even. So whenever you meet people that want to get even with people, then you know that they've not experienced forgiveness uh, because that's that's the sign. People that just want to get even with somebody, they don't know what forgiveness is because forgiveness is for yourself. Very critical whether people ask you or not, it's a, it's a spirit that you walk in forgiveness.
Hey, this is Zach Pruitt here with Transformation Radio, reminding you that this Saturday is Family Day for Phase 2 out in Lancaster. This is a great time for all the men in Phase 2 to enjoy visits from their family and begin to experience the promise of God's restoration in their life. This also means that this Sunday is Encounter for the Refuge Ministries. This is where all four phases of the ministry get together for a time to encounter God in a real and personal way. Hope everybody has fun this weekend. And thanks for listening to Transformation Radio.